Welcome back to Locked Women's Basketball. Today, today we're ranking the top 15 draft prospects in league history. Locked Women's Basketball starts now. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Welcome, you are Locked With Basketball. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. My name is Linda Chris. I'm your Saturday host from WNBA Draft and Prospect Scouting. I'm joined by my co-host, M. Adler and Lincoln Schaefer. M. covers the WNBA with a focus on player development and the game within the game. Lincoln is our biomechanics guru and contributes to our WNBA Draft coverage at the next. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA. For $20 off your first purchase. So as we've been doing f- since the summer, we have been going through film and breaking down each Saturday episode on the greatest prospects in WNBA history, beginning from the league's inauguration all the way up until today. So we compiled our list. We all worked together to create like our consensus ranking. We have prospects from early 2000s. We have prospects in the 2010s. And we also have players that are in college right now who we consider top 15 prospects of all time. We also have some players that are overseas or one player that's overseas and not even draft eligible for another year or two. So let's get into our list. And we have, I want to start off with just our three players we have in our tier one group, which we consider 80 plus grades. Let's dive through, dive through each of those three players real quick. And those three, Candace Parker, Lauren Jackson, and Brianna Stewart. And before we begin, a quick briefer on our 2080 scale. Mm. Um, in terms of what these grades mean, I'm not going to get into whole, the whole thing, but 45 mm. is essentially a starter on a not very good team. A 40 is a high backup on a not very good team or a deep backup on a good team. A 50 is a starter on a good team. 55 is an above average starter by playoff standards. 60, perennial all-star. 70, perennial all-WNBA. 80, perennial MVP candidate. And what an 80 plus means is that we are so gosh dang confident in what a prospect is coming into the NBA draft that we are saying that their that their median outcome is an inner circle hall of famer. Like their high end, like 75th percentile outcome is one of the handful of greatest players of all time. And that's where we have Candace, Lauren Jackson and Brianna Stewart in that list. You could um, say that those players are pretty good. I, Very I, I might even venture to say that they were pretty great. And for you, Lincoln, going through this series, um, before we get into the in, in the details of our list and different prospects, who was like your favorite watch from this series? And, and another question is, like, what prospect do you, did you take the most from this series into current evaluations, like learning from what you saw on film? Wow. So – um, my favorite, and maybe the, also the one that I learned the most from, was Tamika Catchings. Mm. She's um, just an incredible basketball player and someone that we are all too young to have seen her prime in the WNBA when it was happening. And uh, to be able to go back and uh, watch some of her games at Tennessee, to watch some of her games with the Fever, she's an absolute terror on the court. It's so fun to watch. She's so quick for her size. And just doing so much defensively, 
it's it's an interesting way to see how that kind of prospect has evolved over the years. Um, someone like Catchings was playing off the ball a lot offensively, and to see even how the league evolved during her career, to see how her role changed from the beginning of her career to the end of her career, it's it's just really interesting to see uh, the changes since the early 2000s up through now. There is a solid portion of our listener base that heard you say that we were too young to truly <laughs> remember the details and the look of Catch's Prime and felt themselves crumble into dust. I, <laughs> I think, you know, I there's just a lot to it. I, the biggest takeaway for me, and it's not about scouting these days, uh, well, at least not directly, but I think for me, the biggest takeaway might have been just really being able to appreciate how much better players are right now than they used to be. Like, you know, we said when we were starting off, you know, we're accounting for the way that the game has changed over time and just the different contexts players are playing in. I mean, but like, teacher would not get drafted today. Shamiqua would average, would, would average like 15 points at a mid-major. Um, and would get drafted, but 50 more than mid-major. Catch would still be catch, but, you know, someone like Kara Lawson would be a third-round pick. Someone like, um, actually, unfortunately, I don't have my list up at the moment. That wasn't very smart of me. <laughs> but, you know, someone like um, uh, Candace Wiggins would be, like, a late first-round, early second-round pick just because of the context that we're playing in these days. I mean, we're talking about players these days looking at, let's think of this class that's coming up. Think about Tahina Pau-Pau. Think about Rakia Jackson. Think about um, Nika Mule. I'm talking about all these players in, you know, random order, just coming off the top of my head. But I just got a bunch of players who would be top, like, three picks without a solitary doubt. Any, almost any year before mm, 2015, you know, these are, I think it's really important to be able to go back and appreciate, like, the great players of the day and be able to just, you know, look at the context of the league and be able to say, Hooper. Hooper fun. And also be able to take with that an understanding of how much um, not only has talent changed over time, but specifically over the past, I'd say less than a decade, there's been a massive acceleration in the talent within the women's game. And it's absolutely incredible to see it coming through like this. And like you said, with how players have gotten better over time, that's what makes Lauren Jackson so impressive as a prospect and why we have her over Stewie. Just because... Her hey, game. You have her over Stewie. I have her over Stewie. For that reason, that's why she's our consensus grade over Stewie's because of <laughs> how impressive it was. Where whenever I was watching her, I'm like, this is a player I would see coming out of the draft now. And this is a player that would go in the lottery now. And that's mm -hmm. why she breaks our scale. And that's what makes her so impressive at the top. I mean, I mean, to that, to that end, like one of the things that we try we try to talk about when we do player comps, it's funny you mentioned lottery, she'd be a lottery pick this year. Um when we look at when we look at comps and come up with these, we're not trying to adjust for error. We're trying to say, you know, this player was this kind of player, regardless of the year they played in, because it's just easier and it's more descriptive and it's more accurate if we do comps that way. Caitlin, Caitlin Clark's ceiling comp for us, or not Caitlin Clark, geez. Cameron Brink's ceiling comp for us is basically Lauren, just Lauren Jackson, which, you know, you can watch um, how uh, Cam played in many of her great games, you can see, especially how she played against Indiana. You're like, Lauren Jackson. But to that end, yeah, Lauren Jackson easily would be, I think, the number two pick at, at the latest in this draft. 
given how she was overseas when she came out. Like, not, you know, if you get like 2005 Lauren Jackson, yes, you're drafting her first overall. Well, yeah, because that's the big difference is that LJ was drafted when she was 19 years old. And uh, now you're seeing these college players get drafted at 22, 23. 19 year old LJ was a better player than almost anybody in college basketball. And that's one of the things that's. 19 year old LJ was a better player than most players on the United States women's national team. 19-year-old LJ was probably a top five player in the world at that time. She was so outplaying a defensive player of the year winner. We need to yeah, make that clear. Just an absolutely incredible player. Yeah, it, it would be the equivalent of like um, during U, I think it was U18s, when uh, Lila Le Khan was on a particularly hot shooting streak. In addition to all the traits that we've talked about ourselves and how much we like Layla Lacan, why we're particularly high on her. But if while she was on her hot shooting streak and while she was playing that well, uh, it was all of what she was doing, but instead of against U18s, it was against the, the damn Olympic team. LJ is such a stupid player as a prospect. She's so good. So let's continue with our list here. So after the top three, we have Candace, like I said, Candace, LJ, Stewie, and then we have our 80 tier. We have four different players here. We have Keelan Clark, who is our highest graded player that is in college basketball right now. At number five, we have Asia Wilson. Number six is Tamika Catchings, and number seven is Maya Moore. I'll preface this by saying this list is really tight. Like ranking players within mm -hmm. our tiers was the toughest part of this entire thing, I think, for me. Because and one of the things so that, that is going to come out in the article is, you know, a, a lot of these players are going to have just be sort of like under the moniker of, or not under the moniker, under the subheading of having the same grade. But we have to go into not half grades, but like thirds of a grade to figure out how to rank them. And from this tier, um, who was your favorite prospect to watch, do you think, um, from the series? I mean... <laughs> go in any direction i think my favorite had to be asia just because of how stupid it was that she was able to do so much in the era that she did it you know it's one thing to watch catch you know the way we did and you know like lincoln said and we can get into this a little bit later in the pod but you know you learn a lot about projections with catch um you know caitlin clark obviously is caitlin clark i'm not going to try to compare that to anything but i think it is with asia it was seeing someone who played um, basically kind of how you'd imagine like a more mobile and like a more, um, a more, uh, like perimeter skilled sill would have played back at LSU in 2008, but she's doing it against like severely better competition and she's doing it just as dominantly. It's so silly. It's so silly. It's like, <laughs> like, like, obviously you hear people talk about Asia Wilson at South Carolina. There's a reason she has a, she has, she has a goddamn statue up there, but there was for whatever reason, there was some debate over uh, in some corners about uh, Aaliyah Boston versus Asia Wilson as a prospect, just because, you know, it's so easy to compare them. Um, it's not close. Not that we don't like Boston. You know, we had her graded very favorably. She's on this list, but it's, oh my she's God. She's on our top 15. Yes, she's on the list. But like, Asia's, uh, oh, amazing. Hunter, what about you from this, from this quartet? From this core, I would say Maya Moore. Maya Moore was one of my favorite prospects in the series outside of um, Shamika Holskaw was definitely my favorite. I had like four or five minutes worth of clips for no reason at all. But I think there's Moore, a good reason. 
Maya Moore was fun. I think Maya Moore is just one of the best wing prospects in WNBA history. And I think mm-hmm. um, whenever we talk about Maya Moore, I think there's some similarities between some prospects we're seeing now and just these big wings that can kind of create do different things on the ball. Like Juju Watkins is someone that we have on our list as an honorable mention, and you're going to definitely see some comps there between just big wing creators, good defenders um, that can do different stuff on both ends. Yeah, and that's where we get into players who are in places where, you know, you can look at the list from like sort of an outside perspective and be like, hey, how do you have Maya down that low? And she's not like top three, given obviously what she did in her college career, especially as an upperclassman. How do you have someone like Dana? We haven't even mentioned yet. What, how do you have Stewie below, you know, in Australian? What's going on here? And, you know, you, you, you gotta look at the names above them and it's ridiculous. You know, it's, it's, it's first of all, no shade intended to like Maya, for example, but also the players she's behind are like Caitlin, Caitlin Clark, Asia Wilson, um, Brianna Stewart, LJ, you know, we're talking about not only that, but it's also like, this is where we get into very slight philosophical differences between how the three of us value players make a pretty significant difference just in terms of a one or two spot difference in the rankings. So like I dragged Maya, Maya's grade down from like, being like our number five or being like our number six to, to where she is. I think it's seven or eight right now. And that's just because, you know, that everyone above her is a really freaking good playmaker. And I value that a lot more. And so there's a, there's like little inflection points here and there that I think you can see, um, you can at least see hints of when you just look at the overall list. Yeah. And this like tier of four through seven, I had almost in the opposite order that it ended up in on my personal list. It's just, that's how it happens sometimes. Um, but they're all incredibly good players to be like the eighth best prospect of all time is not like, it's not saying that they're bad. It's saying they're really, really good. Yeah. So after the break, we'll get into the back half of our list and we'll also get into some honorable mentions. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This time of year can be a lot, and it's natural to feel some sadness or anxiety about it. But adding something new and positive to your life can counteract some of those feelings. Therapy can be a bright spot amid all of the stress and change, some, something to look forward to, to make you feel grounded, and to give you the tools to manage everything going on. If you're trying to thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on NBA. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all of your sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With Killer Zone deals, you can pick the section Game Time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Create Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I'm your Santa Cruz, and before we get back into our conversation on the best prospects in WNBA history, I want to inform you guys about Locked On, Locked On Sports Today, which is here, 24/7 coverage of the top of of, of the top uh, sports stories every day with local experts of Locked On 
plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to your first to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. So let's get back into our list, and I'll give it to you, M, to kind of kick us off here with the rest of our list. So next is a list that I did not have written down and was not prepared for this throwing of it to me. But I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, that we have two players on the lower end of an 80 grade in Elena Deladon and Paige Beckers, followed very closely by our higher end 70 grades with Janiah Barker and Diana Tarazi. Which, um, is it possible for me to have have provided eight, four, names on our list that are more of different players than those four. You know, we have two players who are active, one who has played all of about maybe less than 10 extremely competitive games in college basketball. We have one of the one of the most interesting WNBA prospects, probably the best, I shouldn't say probably, obviously the best mid-major prospect of all time, and also Diana Taurasi on this list. Uh, Lincoln, what it for you in sorting out such like different skill sets like we had to do for this what did you do to compare them and to evaluate you know these little differences the number one thing to keep in mind is that these differences are minuscule and these players are all incredible it's it is difficult to try to compare elena deladon and janaya barker to diana tarasi and paige beckers because it's just it it doesn't look the same and they don't get it done in the same way um this is where sometimes you um have to lean on a combination of stats and film like if you watch elena deladon go to work in the mid post and then watch uh janiah barker go to work in the mid post it might look similar you uh just have to you have to consider efficiency sometimes Elena Deladon is one of the most efficient, like, high-scoring prospects of all time. She is an incredible athlete at her size, or was before her back kind of gave out a little bit. Um, but then when you look at uh, Tarasi and Beckers, what separates them? They're both incredible uh, scorers. They're both very good playmakers. Uh, we're both – we're all three higher on Paige Beckers' defense this year in the – uh, 23-24 season than we were yeah, before. I, I specifically said today that I there's a very real chance I end up with Paige above Caitlin on our final rankings. Right. And these, these differences are, are small and sometimes it is just kind of picking a style that you prefer uh, or uh, positional value sometimes has a swing in this for me that the WNBA is traditionally and uh, probably is for the foreseeable future a league dominated by bigs that uh, has some some value. There's a little bit more value in like a great big prospect than a guard prospect. That also could be selection bias that we've had more bigs that are great in the history of the W than guards that are great. But these these differences are really small. Right. Yeah. Our top four prospects are all. Um, are all bigs, are all, you know, at the very sort of highest position. They're four and a halves, like Stewie is, and Candace are both, you know, sort of moonlight in terms of the level of rim protection at the five sometimes. Uh, our top four, five of our top six. 
seven of our six of our top eight. You get the point. Um, yeah, and that really speaks, I think, like you're saying, to how it is. And you look at our board this year, you look at our board next year, you look at our board of the top remaining players in college. That's a heck of a lot of guards. Something's changing quickly. And like Lincoln said, the big difference bet- between Paige and Diana is just the defense. I think, like we're seeing with Paige, I think the instincts are better. I think there's just there's just a lot of things there on defense. Um, and then I think with the offense as well, I think there's there's some stuff there with kind of preferring Paige over Diana. But it says a lot that we have Janiya Barker at 10. And I think if there's anything that might change, it, it could be where we have Barker. And depending on how her development trends over the next yeah. couple of years, Go up um, but but right now I think you combine six foot four with her handle, with her mobility, with what she can do on defense, her tools, the shot making potential. Um, she shot like forty percent as a freshman for three. So I think there's a lot of things there with with Barker positional value, like you said, that has her as a top ten prospect right now. But I know that probably looks a little bit crazy to some people, just because she's not a crazy name. And but we're trying our gosh dang best to make her one. We're trying. So outside of that top 11, we have four different players and down to our 70 tier. This is We have players in the same tier as these, but we, we decide not to go beyond 15 ranking, and there'll be an audible mention list. We have BG, Kelsey Plum, Aaliyah Boston, and Sylvia Fowles. Those are the four players we have, and we'll talk about them after we go to a quick break. Prize picks is the most fun I've had winning t- up to 25 times on money this football season. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday each Tuesday. Prize Picks d- discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Prize Picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA or use promo code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. All right, so let's get back into this on four of the prospects we have at the end of our top 15. And we'll also mention some honorable mentions that cracked our, that'll crack our article releasing soon. So the four we have like I said, is BG, Kelsey Plum, Aaliyah Boston, and Sylvia Fowles. This tier, we don't view them necessarily as being like a number one option, I don't think. But I think these are players we view as being like super, super high-end number twos on a contending team. Um, and as their median outcome, like we see with we see with BG, with Aaliyah, these are two of the greatest big prospects we've ever seen. Um, just more traditional bigs, I think, on this list, this group. Yeah, and yeah. I think that starts speaking to not only the differences that I mentioned before in terms of our philosophical approaches, but it starts, you know, you can compare the errors that we're looking at here. And, you know, we're not talking about any players that came before, or sorry, I, I should say that came in sort of the early era of the W, you know, and still is by good five, six years, the earliest player of this sort of tier. And, you know, you look at the honorable mentions we have on here, I'll just say here that, um, Simone Augustus and Shemeika Holtzlaw, who are in that group, are at least a good decade earlier than pretty much anyone else in our honorable mentions. Um, And so for that reason, you know, you start to see that 
not only are we, I think, getting more aware of what we're looking for with these prospects, and it's a little easier to be certain on what we're looking for. And that's true on the industry side as well for WNBA scouts. You can go back and laugh and how some uh, prior drafts went. You can take the knowledge that we have now uh, about scouting and look at some of those things. You could say, how did player X go third overall when player Y was available at nine? It's weird. You can look at that. Uh, but yeah, I think it really speaks to the changing nature of uh, skills and talents that it is such a disparate list. And someone like Kelsey Plum, who, you know, would not have been able to play the same way she did at Washington two decades earlier, was ranked this high, frankly. And how did you guys decide between having Aaliyah over Sill? What, what was that kind of process for you guys? Aaliyah and Sill are, uh, there's a lot of similarities between them. Um, I personally actually did have Sill one spot ahead of Aaliyah, but they're almost interchangeable. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that Sill is a bit better defensively, and Aaliyah is a little bit better offensively, a, mm -hmm. a little more polished coming into the league, a little more, um, a little better as a post scorer and as a post hub, yep. a little bit better uh, stretching it out to 16, 17 feet in ways that Sill really wasn't doing at LSU. But Sill's uh, paint presence on the defensive end was just on another level for me. It's She's such a good defensive prospect. Basically, to me, the perfect defensive center prospect. Yeah, I think the difference in offense for me was pretty much the difference there. It was, you know, when we're starting out saying that these players are, you know, we're saying that Aaliyah's impact as a defender is mm, like a soft eight, we think it'll be. And Sills is pretty much like a guarantee, just like hard eight. There's not much difference there. And then we're, if we're talking about offense where one of them or one of them is like a five and the other one's a six, that's that's a notable difference when they're essentially almost as good defensively. You know, one of them being a four-time, going on to be a four-time uh, defensive player of the year winner and the other one profiling someone who will probably win a couple. I would much rather have a bit more improvement. I shouldn't say a bit more more improvement on the offensive end in exchange for a bit of defense. And again, we're talking about like, I literally did have them one, one spot apart. So it's, it's effectively the same grade here. We just putting down ties doesn't look good in an article. Right. It doesn't. And, and the thing about this, this last tier in the top 15 is that these players are like, if you look at Candace and Lauren Jackson, Tamika catchings, they're all world defenders and all world offensive players. And uh, once you get down past the ninth, tenth spot, you're getting to people who are all world on one side of the ball and merely very good on the other side of the ball, which is they're still incredible on both sides of the ball. It's just that small difference between being an all world shot creator and an all world defensive player that, that is going to put these these um, players that we have in the top six or seven over the people that we have uh, 10 through 15, which is still, they're still very, very good basketball players. And I think that's the funny thing about Diana Tarazi is that none of us thought that she profiled even, even mediocrely defensively. I think we all thought that she would be given the effort level she showed at UConn, one of the worst defensive players um, that we would, that we would intentionally scout. Uh, you know, <laughs> and you know, that panned out. We all we also all thought that she she showed signs that she very clearly could have been a very good defender if she ever gave a single crap, which she never did. So who cares? Um, but I think 
it also speaks to, you know, on some of these names, not just players who, you know, are excellent on one end, elite on one end, and merely fine or good on the other end. It speaks to the fact that we are sort of at a tier where we're talking about one or two of us are saying we think that this player is going to be really good on, you know, the side of the ball that they're actually not as good at in college. And the other ones of us are like, so like Lincoln, you were like super, you did not have the same concerns about BG's defense that like I did in the other direction. Hunter did not have the same level of confidence in like KP's defensive projection that I did. And so it ends up with you saying, one of us says, yeah, they're, they're a really high end all-star. They're like a perennial all-star starter. The other one of us says they'll, they'll make a couple MVP ballots in their career. And before we wrap up today's episode, I want to give you guys the floor to shout out one person that didn't make our top 15. Alyssa Thomas. I thought it was Shay, like Shay Ralph. I, I, I would also say <laughs> Shay Ralph, but like, man, you, you guys made uh, a mistake by not putting on Alyssa Thomas. Greatest defensive prospect in league history. That's strong words. I'm going to yes, shout out is. Malaysia Full Wiley, who's played like <laughs> three college basketball games and is 50 already, minutes. Yeah, she's already <laughs> I doubt in one of them. Like legitimately one of the most interesting point guard prospects in the history of the league. Yeah. Uh, watching her high school tape, you see the athleticism, the shooting, and the handle really pop. But what's really impressed me through a couple games so far in South Carolina is her hands on defense. She's mm. already a better player than I would have guessed just from watching her high school tape on defense. And if that continues to grow, if she becomes, like, a legitimate threat at the point of attack, as well as, like, the premier downhill guard in the NCAA, that is one of the best players in college basketball history. Absolutely. I think that just going off that for a second, I think one of the fun things that, you know, wasn't even the straightforward takeaways from this series, but one of the fun things is it becomes very clear over time, it becomes very clear know who's really good at developing players who's kind of good at developing players who isn't you know obviously the low-hanging fruit that people have been talking about this week for example Kim Mulkey dish did not develop anyone that we looked at with the very slight exception of Sophia Young Malcolm and even when Sophia Young Malcolm got to the league there was a very well-earned reputation that she was extraordinarily skilled and extraordinarily raw in terms of being able to put it all together it's very obvious she like it's it's so similar year to year but yeah bg doesn't really improve in any of the core skills under mulkey and bg awesome player it does come back to bite her in the w again and it, and it bites phoenix a couple times um odyssey sims we looked at her as well you know you you do different you do different things with this um gino oriema very good at developing players i wouldn't say like the greatest of all time or anything or anything like that but like clearly you can see how skills that are very hard to develop usually players at UConn tend to round out in those ways and it's very impressive you see that with Paige where I think at most schools Paige would not become a good defender and it's an it's entirely possible that we consider her like a borderline could peak as like a second team all defensive guard at some point just given how the season is going uh the real reason I brought this up is Don Staley is just a wizard like <laughs> The way the players improved there is ridiculous. The way that like Ty Harris came in and was very skilled, again, very raw. And by the, by the time she leaves, you're like, oh, this is like one of the best processing players in, in college. The way that Tiffany Mitchell comes in and you're like, this is so janky. And by the time she leaves, she has like a clear skill set and you understand what she's trying to do. <laughs> it, it happens with everyone. Like Aaliyah Boston, again, 
again, like, I don't want to say she was raw coming in, but the player who left who was an automatic post score in the W from day one was not the player. It was not exactly the player who came in. Asia Wilson, even Elena Coates, these sorts of things. With what you mentioned with Malaysia Fulwiley, the defense has already improved that much in one summer. And I want to shout out Awa Fam, who we view as one of the best big prospects I, I think we have we've seen. Uh, just if you like Ezzy Magbergor, you'll like Awa Fam. She is so skilled at the center position. If you super like basketball, raw. you'll like Awa Fam. Yeah, if, if, yeah. If you like basketball, if you like basketball, um, twenty twenty six draft. She is like only eighteen years old right now, but she's playing uh, some national team minutes. She's she just had an injury, so she didn't get to play, which was terrible. But one of one of my favorite prospects I've seen in a while. And I think it really says a lot that we have these college players, these international players that we view as elite prospects on a national scale, on a greatest prospects of all time scale. It just shows the games is the games continue to get better. Um and one thought I had recently was just how we're never gonna have another bad recruiting class again. Like there's always players coming in. There's always just elite prospects coming in. Malaysia Full Wiley, like you guys said, I didn't expect her to be this good this quick. And it really says a lot how these freshmen are coming in and making it. Thank God the depth of the 2026 draft is null. Because other, otherwise, man, I would be going insane trying to rank this all. Yeah. But thanks for much basketball. Your first listen every day. Join the team next back next week for continued coverage of women's basketball. Make your second listen locked on sports today. The first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Have a great rest of your weekend, everyone.